Pet Sounds wasn't what he wanted to be, Smile was sort of shelved, but he's still in charge and I think that narrative of him retreating after Smile, uh, I think at least the rehearsal to Late in Hawaii really, you know, destroyed that myth. There were so many aspects of the Smile album and the elements and, and all the things that made up the record that he just, uh, he had to, to just let it go. Because it came at a time when Brian was just really finding it difficult to stay focused. He wasn't getting any enjoyment out of it, it wasn't fulfilling him, it was painful, so uh, we made Smiley Smile instead. Hello friends and welcome back to the Sail On Podcast. This is Wyatt in Nashville, Tennessee. And I hope you're doing well, whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this. It's nice to know that you're out there. The sun is out, birds are singing. There's a new Beach Boys box set just a few weeks away. I'm sure many of you have already ordered your copy of Feel Flows. I went for the 4LP set. I can't wait to get my hands on it. It's been way too long since I've felt that way. Today on the show, a new guest in the latter portion, a very fantastic musician and a wonderful human being. It was fun getting to know him and talking Beach Boys. But first, let's head to Hawaii. We left off in the summer of 67 with the Beach Boys recording their Smiley Smile album at Brian's home studio. Because of their no-show at the Monterey Pop Festival, they scheduled two shows in Hawaii where they were to record and possibly film a new live concert album. Rumors began to swirl. Here's an excerpt from the July 29th issue of the Honolulu Star Bulletin. Dennis Wilson sneaked into Honolulu this week and announced to pals that he wants to live here permanently. If the Beach Boys plan to stick together as a performing group, a move seems unlikely. But don't be surprised at an announcement that the group will do a show here in the near future. An official announcement did follow on August 3rd. And then on the 24th, the Beach Boys, along with their wives and girlfriends, arrived at the Honolulu International Center Arena, where they would perform the following two days at the Beach Boys Summer Spectacular. Also performing were Paul Revere and the Raiders, Bobby Gentry, the Val Richards Five, Dino Desi and Billy, and comedians, the Pickle Brothers. Continuing to keep his distance from the group, Bruce did not make the trip. He told NME, This is definitely a one-off appearance by Brian. I was invited to take part, but I shall not do so. Brian himself would be back on stage with the group as a full participant for the first time in years, under the condition that he was allowed to bring his Baldwin organ to play in the concerts. This means that Al and Carl would be back on bass, and sometimes Brian himself, with mixed results, to put it kindly. When asked why they chose Hawaii, Brian said, Well, it's a good place. We wanted to make a live album where the mood's good, and it's great here. We're calling it Laid in Hawaii. Of course, to make sense of the very little info that we have to go on regarding these live recordings, Welcome back. My guys, Will Crera and John Brody. Hello. Hey. Hello. 
It's been a minute since we've spoken all together, um, but I was able to meet John in real life. Believe it or not, he's a real person. I was <laughs> out in Oakland for a few days, and uh, we got together, went on a big walk around a lake, and talked about Beach Boys stuff, and yeah, it was fun. It was super fun. Yeah, we should do that again. So, yeah, we need to smuggle Will to the States at some point and, and uh, <laughs> maybe go uh, break into brian's house on <laughs> on bellagio road and see what remains but yeah uh <laughs> what have you guys been able to scrape together on these live recordings because they haven't really gotten the attention of authors and historians yeah so i mean we don't really have much to go by in terms of anecdotes i mean the band's talked about it a little bit but like you said no one's really written about it in detail but luckily both the full shows and the full rehearsals well, most of the rehearsals were released on uh, 1967 Live Sunshine back in 2017. So we've done a lot of listening and... Too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> careful analysis of all, of all this stuff. Um, so yeah, I thought we'd just kind of go through, talk about the shows in general, and then talk about some of the highlights. They recorded these shows on two eight-track machines, which is really interesting. Um, they put a lot of work and it seems like they spent a lot of money to get this show happening, you know, getting Brian's Oregon over there and the two eight track machines and then having, um, kind of their studio engineers over there, um, yeah. working on this live record. They had at least like three engineers from Wally Hyders came along with them to help them out. And Brian said they had like 35 microphones and stuff. And it was very, very elaborate for a live album of the time. Yeah. This was the, uh, third time yeah third time since the concert album that they tried to do another a follow-up live album they tried to do it in chicago in 65 and then michigan in 66 and now this and obviously this this didn't come out as as well as those until much later it's interesting that they would choose to do something so unfamiliar especially like throwing brian back in the mix because they were a really good live band at the time and we've heard other clips of them um, from 67 and they could have put out a great live record if they had just stuck to what they did live but they decided to kind of go the smiley smile route and kind of build a show around brian's organ and they didn't seem even though they have these rehearsals that they recorded as well they didn't seem like they were rehearsed at all no, yeah they those just were kind of showed up like pretty much yeah. Yeah. And, yeah and they really didn't seem to have the arrangements figured out um, there's a lot of fumbling around. There's, there's, a, you know, obviously without Bruce, there, Brian's having to kind of jump back in the fold and he hasn't sung and played these songs, some of these ever. So he's just kind of working through the tracks, learning them again. He's messing up all over the place. Um, a lot. I mean, he plays bass on Sloop John B and he's just all over the place. He had no idea what's going on. It's amazing. I mean, it's just <laughs> that they were just not at all ready for this show and put so much work into it on the back end, but then they get there and it's just kind of like, oh, this is not going to be good. So hoist up the John B sail to see how the main sail set Go home. Yeah. Well, I feel so broke up. Yeah. I wanna go home. 
the bass wasn't really his instrument at this time. He pretty much devoted, you know, whenever he wrote anything or sat down to, to play, it was always at his organ, his specific Baldwin organ that he loved. So that was his condition that they would lug this thing onto the plane and uh, that would kind of fill out the sound, I guess, when, yeah. you know, since there's only one guitar with him on organ. This, this is kind of where I, I don't think this is a, um, an opinion a lot of people have, but I think it's not like a crazy idea doing this sort of thing. Cause I listened to the Michigan shows and like the late 67 shows and I just don't think they sound very good. Like they got a lot of criticism for the sound sounding kind of thin at the time. And that's really the problem. Cause you get like that sort of thin bass tone and like the Farfies organ or whatever it was. And you've got one guitar and it just sounds really kind of weak. It doesn't fill out the sound. Um, it doesn't fill the room in any kind of meaningful way but with the organ it really um the Baldwin organ really does something to the sound where it you know it makes it sound like a Beach Boys record even though it's a strange smiley smile kind of thing um and they've got like the Hofner bass and stuff which is a much thicker sound than the Fender basses that they were using before and they've got new guitars and it's basically it kind of it sounds like a more it just sounds like a sort of fuller richer sound that's more kind of compatible with what you'd expect from them um but the way they executed it was like kind of not that um so I don't think the ideas behind it were as crazy as some people make it out to be, but um, they, they didn't rehearse, so, you know. Yeah. I like their their live sound at the time for, for songs like Barbara Ann and Papa Um Mau Mau and all those, but yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. Whenever Bruce was playing the organ, it did sound kind of thin compared to these shows here. Yeah. They're not even they're not even that bad. I mean, the first one, okay, the first show is kind of bad, but the second one really picks up towards the end. Like, if you compare like Michigan nineteen sixty six good vibrations, it's very like they're all on the edge, like trying oh, to yeah. like, keep it together and stuff. And it's fine, like they get through it, but it's very clean and not doesn't you know it doesn't really sound like they're you know it doesn't really feel great. It's just very like yeah. let's get through it to get to the end, and it's kind of a small sound. But when they do it, like in the second show of the Hawaii one, I think it's actually genuinely one of the best good live good vibrations. Like Brian's voice adds so much to it. And you've got um, just the bigger sound that the Baldwin organ brings and the, the vibe, sort of the atmosphere is so much better about it. Um, I think it's cool. I like it. <laughs> I do think it's a it's a great concept for a record um but they really needed bruce to be honest like they they really would have done better if they had had bruce yeah. to play bass on the whole show um to fill out the sound and the vocals as yeah, well if, if they had two guitars going with the organ and the bass mm -hmm. that would be awesome that would have been cool yeah and the set list is interesting too they kick it off with a cover of the letter by the box tops which came out 
weeks before like i think it was like yeah just came out like so it was just sort of like <laughs> on a whim they're like we really like this song let's do this song brian probably just loved the song give me a ticket for an airplane Yeah, it's that whole R&B, Wild Honey direction that they sort of drifted mm-hmm. into. And it's a pretty cool version. I mean, it doesn't... I mean, yeah. they kind of... It, it doesn't really come off too well, but, like, it's still kind of cool to hear Brian singing it and stuff. And it goes over well with the crowd. When they start playing it, though, everyone starts cheering because they all know yeah, the Yeah, because they would have recognized it. And they did some other really interesting things, like the, like a, a really short version of Hawaii, um, mm. Which makes sense. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like it's, verse and chorus and like it's yeah, like that's it, it basically. It's I so mean, crazy. It would have been fine. Like it, it it actually works really well, and it would have made a lot of sense, you know, because of it's a Hawaii live album. But like, I don't really get why they did it like a short version. It's a bit strange. And they did the same thing with Surfing as well, because it was kind of the fifth anniversary year. Um, well, they can never decide what the anniversary year is with right, the beach right. It's like, is it 61 no. or 62? They just do stuff. <laughs> um, but they were yeah. kind of nostalgic, I think. So Mike mentions there's the fifth anniversary and they did it on stage for the first time in front of a lot of people because it was obviously just very early days. And they do like a, this sort of weird shortened version of that with that riff from the thing by the Frogmen that ended up in Do It Again. And it's pretty cool. But again, it's like, why is it one minute long? <laughs> Surfing is the only life, the only way for me now, so- you know i would have loved if they had tried to do little pad for this i mean that would have been so appropriate oh that would have been good you know like it, it would have sounded but i mean too. obviously no one knew the song it wasn't out yet so maybe that's that's why they held off yeah, but on yeah. one of the rehearsals you can hear brian talk about the song hawaii Mm-hmm. He says something like, if we did the whole thing, it would be a bummer. We just need to do it short. <laughs> um, I really enjoy that you're so good to me. I think that's an interesting choice, and, and I love hearing Brian sing that live. Yeah. So always enjoyed listening to that. But yeah, I mean, generally it just wasn't up to what you would expect from a live album. And that's the that's the real issue. And And I think, you know, we know, I mean, we've heard the other attempts they had at live albums and they weren't great. I mean, it's hard to do Mm -hmm. the beach boys show on stage and have the standard meet, you know, what you would put out on a record because they didn't have great monitoring and the crowds are just so, so freaking loud that it's hard to get a good recording. So it's, you know, I think it sounded like there was a smaller crowd for this. It didn't feel like it was a full auditorium. No, no. Um, So maybe that was a, a, done on purpose to limit the the crowd noise so that maybe they could put together a better recording i don't know it's strange That's isn't just it? speculation. they have these rehearsal things before the sets and you know they're, they're mm-hmm. not very well rehearsed and stuff but they do some really good takes of the songs like um sunshine tomorrow one they've got that version of heroes and villains in hawaii that they put on there and then there's mm. good vibrations on hawthorne and uh mm-hmm. that stuff like it works really well in that sort of quiet environment but as soon as they got in front of people it sort of just all went wrong um that's how it happens a lot of the time yeah, and on the rehearsal, um, they also tried out some some acapella stuff. I mean, at least they 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 got a pretty good version of "Hearts Were Full of Spring," which yeah. was the only kind of holdover from 
from these sessions that they were actually going to use that, right? Yeah, it sort of turned into a recording session for a minute. Like, this is before the second show, so they'd done the first one, then they were sort of refining things a bit. And then um, they just kind of pulled that one out. Like, to go on the album, I think they were trying to seriously record it for the album. I don't know if they were planning to do it on stage or not, because Al seemed kind of confused about that. Um, it's like between songs he's going what's next is it hearts and then they just do something else and it's mm. never part of the concept they tried a few different things they tried um, the Lord's Prayer um, you know he mentioned a couple of four freshman songs but why wouldn't they do our prayer it seems like an obvious choice for like a yeah, great they wanted to have no an one intro for, brings it up yeah they're uh, they're trying to go through all these acapella songs they could do because they're just yeah. trying to trying to record one before the show for fun yeah. And um, they run through a bunch of songs that they, you know, there's no recordings of them doing it. Like a, a couple of four freshman songs. Um, mm-hmm. Someone suggests Tom Dooley. Al said Brian had an arrangement of that. And then Dennis is sitting in the audience and he, he's shouting, Lord's Prayer, Lord's Prayer. But yeah, no one mentions our prayer, which is very interesting, I think. And that they had just done that, like not even a year before, twice in the studio. So I think just no one really wanted to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Maybe Brian was still a little weird about the smile material, and then Brian just goes off and plays on organ for like ten minutes or whatever. Yeah, and that's one of the best things. <laughs> so cool ever. I mean, yeah, just having Brian like that's like such a cool peek inside Brian's mind. Him just having that insane recall where he's like, "Oh yeah, that song we did, you know, five years ago. Let me just pull this up and play every single part. It's it's awesome. I love that." So we do have some footage from this concert, or at least one of the concerts, maybe both. But mm, yeah. it's um, it's it's hard to say. Like, I mean, it's it's really cool footage, and I wonder how much they shot. Not much. Pretty much what we've seen is what they've got. Like, just fragments. It's home video. Gotcha. It's not like there wasn't a concert film, which is a misconception I think some people have. But it's pretty much like what's been released is what they had. It's just a few fragments of shots here and there, like all disconnected, no sound. Yeah, it's cool that they have pretty much, I mean, they use it in like every documentary of Carl singing God Only Knows. Mm-hmm. That's really great. Oh, what, have, what else have we got on these shows? Oh yeah, this is the new song that they decided to open the second show with, Hawthorne Boulevard. It's this sort of anonymous surf instrumental that I'm yeah. guessing Brian was like, hey, we should just do do like a surf instrumental. And then like they made it up overnight between shows pretty much and... And the second one starts with that. If I was in the audience and the Beach Boys came out and started like noodling on this random surf instrumental out of nowhere in 1967, I'd be like, what the hell is happening? It's, <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah, something else we should mention is during the rehearsals, Dennis was using the the main drum kit in the back that the the opening bands used. But during the show, 
he had about half a kit not you know, you know right sat like right next to brian he just had his stool and a hi-hat and a snare and a couple toms they took his kick drum away and he had no crash symbol or ride symbol and i've seen a lot of people use this as, as an example of like dennis being a bad drummer but if you listen to any other beach boys show this is like not how he drums <laughs> this is <laughs> brian made him take apart his kit and just <laughs> use a few things here or there mm-hmm. you know kind of in the in the smiley smile tradition yeah poor dennis just has nothing to do here like he's yeah he doesn't sing either doesn't yeah he sings in some of the rehearsals but on stage he does nothing he doesn't get to do, go up and do a song he's got like sort of half a drum set just hanging in the back <laughs> it's, it's yeah because yeah, it's a weird vibe <laughs> at the other shows they were doing around this time he had well he got to like go off on drums on some of the songs like papa umau mau and barbara ann and stuff and they gave him a solo song he got to do um you've got to hide your love away and here he gets nothing <laughs> he's just sitting there like every once in a while banging on the on the snare <laughs> The, the new California Girls ending is pretty awesome. It I like it. Uh, yeah, it, it's just, um, it's definitely like a more, like what would Smiley Smile do version of California Girls. Yeah. And even after this show, they kept doing it for a couple shows until this yeah. one show in Detroit where they all kind of screwed up and everyone went into a different ending. <laughs> and Mike, Mike stopped the band because they got all confused. And then they decided to play each ending for the audience and have them vote on which one they would continue doing. So they played the, they played <laughs> the normal fast version and everyone clapped. And then they, they did the slow one and the audience like laughed at them and booed. So they never did it again. Which ending we're gonna use? Wait a second. Hold it. Hold it. First, let's do it the way we usually do it. Did it, and then we'll do it the way we did it the last. Okay. Tour. Then we'll have a vote and applause. Yeah. Then we'll see which one's better. Okay. And there's a door prize. Used to been used to do it. Used to be. Really corny. Majored in English. I'm a philologist at the University of Michigan. Oh, excuse me there. Now, now, this is the way we were doing it for a couple of tours. Now. Oh, 
I guess we won't ever do that way again. There'll be a charge to leave. <laughs> no. And there's other things as well, like, um, wouldn't it be nice? They always did it in a lower key, but they're doing it in the original key in this one. And Al does it fine as well. I think it sounds better in that way. But Brian tried to sing it very, very briefly in the rehearsals <laughs> and then just gave up yeah. really fast. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer, but it shows like how Brian was out of practice, yeah. you know, singing live and, and just, you know, really his vocal chops weren't what they were, you know, two years earlier. Is, is, Brian's voice is interesting on this because it's the Wild Honey voice pretty much but it's it's not the voice that we're used to with Brian up to this point it's like his more sort of shouty scratchy voice and he still sounds great I think it's the shows are so much better when he is singing but when he's doing stuff like You're So Good To Me and uh, things like that he's not singing in the way that he used to it's definitely his new thing where it's like his sort of his speaking voice translated into singing and it's quite sort of rough yeah. in places So Brian played bass on Hawthorne Boulevard and Sloop John B. Um, Al played bass on Getting Hungry, Surfer Girl, Surfing, and uh, I think that's it. And then Carl played bass on the rest of the shows, so they weren't swapping around a lot. It was basically Carl and like Al and Brian had a couple of songs each, but that was it. Oh, also Brian's kind of attitude completely changes between shows. I don't, I don't think I'm reading too much into this because the, in the first show, he's very nervous and running through the songs and during God only knows some people are screaming in the audience and he just yells at them. He's like, cool it. Yeah. He yells, he's singing, yeah. cool it. <laughs> um, but in the second show also during God only knows he just starts like chatting with some of the audience. He just starts like talking on the side and Carl's like laughing while he's singing. Oh yeah. Yeah. He- I noticed that I listened to them just before we recorded this. I was out um, just walk and listen to both of the shows back to back, which I definitely don't recommend. It's, it makes you go crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Brian's com- attitude is like completely different in the second one. He gets much more yeah. into it. And yeah, the ones where he's like kind of inclo- encouraging like the hand claps and stuff and just talking to people. It's really, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one that that noticed that. Yeah. And um, let's see. Oh yeah, he also just like, he, he starts saying hi to all the family members and friends. He's like, hi mom. <laughs> <laughs> he says, should we introduce our family? <laughs> I'm going to do a very nerve wracking <laughs> song, man. So I'm pretty nervous. I'm gonna go get a tree. Yeah, I mean, they made a they made a vacation out of it for sure. So, you know, it wasn't all for naught. It was it was a good time at least, and um, it sounds like they had fun. Yeah, at least you know by that second show for sure. For all it's kind of a mess. Like I've listened to this so much more than any other Beach Boys live show. It's so much more. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the most interesting one. Like, yeah, I think. Of Brian all of being there it is is for sure part of that reason. Oh yeah, as yeah. well. So they did these shows, and then by the end of them, they said, "Okay, we're going to use their hearts were full of spring from the second rehearsal." and yeah. nothing else <laughs> yeah because the first show was just bad the second show was half bad and they had recording problems so you can hear a lot of tape distortion yeah. and stuff even with all this high-tech equipment and all that stuff they still had like it just didn't sound that great there's all this like distortion when you're singing heroes and villains and stuff and so they just couldn't use any of it pretty much 
Yeah. Yeah, and it was they've never been like super organized as far as like between song banter and stuff. But no. It was really loose <laughs> and very like kind of like it just felt very amateurish on this show. You know, they just obviously just didn't plan a whole lot out. Yeah. I don't Mike, know if it ever got better, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, for all Mike doesn't really have to play an instrument. I think he's actually singing the best of all of them on these shows. He's really, Mike's voice is really good on this stuff. So yeah, like, you know, as we've said, the, the recordings didn't go as well as they'd hoped. So they came up with a plan to record the album in the studio and overdub the crowd noise. And then, right, you know, make a fake live album, which they've already sort of done um, with their first concert. But this time they were just basically going to do the entire record over. Yep. And um, this time Bruce was there, fortunately, but Dennis was MIA. Yeah. So I've also seen this as an example of uh, people pointing to this as to say Dennis wasn't a good drummer, but Dennis does not play any of the drums on these studio tracks. It's all Brian and some Carl and Bruce. And um, I don't even, we don't even think Al was there for most of the, uh, for most of the tracking or maybe even all of the tracking because all the basic tracks are either just Brian playing the organ and Bruce clapping for, for rhythm. Oh yeah. It's it's so unlive. It's 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 like as unlive as you could possibly get. Yeah. It's it's (laughs) faker than you even think. (laughs) Most of, most of the songs, Brian ran through like the entire set list, just playing the organ. And Bruce was like clapping his hands or like snapping his fingers. It was like guys percussion pretty much and then they just like went through gave feather tracks over to brian he played drums and all of them gave the tracks to carl he played guitar and all of them and then like either carl or bruce or brian played bass on them um for the most part this is like kind of um the first sort of 10 tracks they did and it's it's yeah it's it's really really not like alive in studio it's not like what they did for fun 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 and i get around after the mm-hmm. 64 one this is um these are some strange studio creations because you just can't hang a live band on like i mean you can't hang instruments on top of just an organ and someone clapping and have it sound together it's a really strange way to to put down a foundation for this stuff right so the first ones they recorded i mean they did this in a few kind of batches is the way i like to think about it they did basically brian sat down in the studio carl and bruce have basically co-produced these sessions i think you could mm-hmm. it would be accurate to say that brian carl and bruce produced this stuff but brian was kind of you know still arranging everything and basically directing but he was chilling out while he was doing it um so brian sat down and he played through the entire album in his head in order pretty much um on the organ I think he had a list of songs, and he says Hawthorne Boulevard is going to be track one, but I'm not playing the organ on it, so they leave that. And then he does the letter, uh, You're So Good To Me, Help, you, Help Me Rhonda, which was just Help Me Rhonda, before they put the vocals on it, and it went weird. He did Surfer Girl, California Girls, tried surfing, but then abandoned it because he didn't want to use the organ. Then did takes of God Only Knows and Good Vibrations um, that they didn't use, and then he did Heroes and Villains. And in yeah. the middle of this, he says that they're going to do Sloop and Hearts Before the Spring. Um, but they've already got hearts and Sloop doesn't have the organ, so they would kind of fit into the middle of that. And these were the first kind of, this was the first round of tracks they did. Um, and they're super, yeah, these super weird. They did some live-er band ones, no, <laughs> live-er-ish band tracks afterwards with like guitar, bass and organ all together. But for the most of it, yeah, just very, very minimal, very odd. 
those other tracks, the ones that they did with Bruce, Carl, and Brian playing together, um, they did God Only Knows and Good Vibrations. And strangely, Bruce is playing the organ on those and Brian is playing the bass. So mm. I think, you know, I might be wrong on this. Correct me if I am wrong, somebody. But I think that those might be the only recorded instances of Brian playing the Good Vibrations bass line and the God Only Knows bass line. So the first thing was the ladder, which is, um, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, um, they did, you know, just the organ first and then put everything else on later. But this is something that they brought back for Wild Honey. They decided to basically redo all the, the, the instruments pretty much besides the organ. And at one point they wanted to put it on that album. So... I mean, even when they weren't working on Laid in Hawaii anymore, they were still kind of using it a little bit here and there. Yeah, from the from the Wild Honey first draft sleeve notes, mm. it says, The letter was recorded live in Hawaii last summer. It is to be part of a new upcoming live album, which will contain highlights from a variety of shows. Yeah, so that, they that's were a still, lie. <laughs> yeah, but they were still kind of had this in, in the back of their mind, I guess. Like, Yeah, it's, it's so odd that they would even, I mean, one that they were still thinking about putting it out as a live thing afterwards. Like this was going to be the thing after Wild Honey. They were just putting it on hold. But also that they were going to have like a sample of it on Wild Honey and that was the idea behind it. You'd think they were yeah. just using it as like the letter to go on Wild Honey, but no, they're like hawking this thing of, it was recorded in Hawaii and it's like a preview of the next album. <laughs> That's, That's just strange. Bizarre. I'm glad that didn't yeah. happen. Yeah. And it wasn't even um, recorded in Hawaii. It was recorded <laughs> in LA. Yeah. My baby, she wrote me a letter. She wrote me a letter, said she couldn't live without me no more. Listen, Mr. Can't you see? I got to get back to my baby once more. Anyway, yeah. Give me a ticket for an aeroplane. I ain't got time to take a fast train. And uh, You're So Good To Me was the next one. This one's a pretty cool version. I like this one. This, um, the way they did the vocals on these are kind of interesting as well because they did um, like the backing vocals and the lead vocals live together so you get like Brian singing the lead and all the others singing the backing vocals but on the two tracks so it's basically like live vocals overdubbed onto it but like recorded separately that's a cool version I'm a fan of that one it comes off quite well the up-tempo stuff I don't think works as well as the slow stuff but that's the one that I, I think does Next one I don't think does work. I think the, I think the next one sucks, but um, you might as well be Since he put you down, you've been out doing in your head. Yeah. You come in late at night, and in the morning you just lay in bed. 
help you, Rhonda, for some reason. <laughs> yeah, whose idea was that? It was that. It sounds like a Brian. Oh, thing. that's oh, a Brian. Thing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. When they did the track, it's Brian says, "Okay, next one's help me, Rhonda," and he plays it on the organ. But when they did the vocals, Brian must have just been like, "Hey, let's make it in second person." And it's just, it's just a strange yeah. idea. More strange stuff about the recording in this one. They, the backing vocals are in stereo, like two microphones, which is the first time I think they ever did that ever. Like they do that when Steve Dasper came around. But mm-hmm. this whole fake live thing comes about because they've overdubbed like a second mic, doubling the bass vocal and singing different stuff on it. If you listen to this as a live album, like where would that second mic have come from? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a mm. yeah, unusual. Yeah, I don't track. think. I mean, Brian was more of a perfectionist in like this needs to sound good. Then this needs to be con- convincing. You can hear that on on the, their first concert album. Like, that's yeah, so right. obviously the the studio recording. I don't think that yeah. mattered to him that much. That it had yeah. to be authentic. The next one is um, they did an entire version of Surfer Girl, like overdubbed it and everything that they didn't use on the eventual sort of lineup of the album. This is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a just a good version. It's a really nice version. This is the one with the different bridge, right? Yeah, yeah, the past yeah. tense bridge, which is right, right. quite nice. And it's got the ending as well, where Brian does that amazing vocal run towards the end, which is mm-hmm. like, wow, <laughs> why does he do that more often? I love this version. I throw it on playlists a lot. It's really nice. Mm. Yeah, I love this performance. I think the uh, it, everything about it is is cool. Yeah, I'm into it. And uh, what's next? Oh, California Girls. That's that's another good one as well. This is another one that I think works really well. 
Well, because they actually do the ending right, and they don't mess it up in any way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get to hear like a polished version of that arrangement. And this is the slower stuff tends to work really well in, in this form. I think this is. I listen to this some. I might listen to this more than like the actual California Girls. I might be the only person in the world who does that, but I really like this one. With, yeah. Like, the new melody and the extra harmonies and stuff and the sort of low key chorus. It would be great if they just committed to this being like a studio project and stopped pretending that it was a live album and just put out like new versions of old songs. Yeah, I, yeah I'd be a big fan of that. I wish they all could be California girls. I wish they all could be California The next track, Brian tried playing surfing for about 30 seconds and then just gave up. He was like, I don't want to play the organ on it, which he did later. But mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. That's a version of surfing. <laughs> The next, next one, before they did it, God only knows, Brian was like, okay, Sloop John B, there's no organ on that. We've got Hearts Full of Spring. And then Brian does this version of God only knows, just one take, where he's singing a guide vocal all the way through it. And they didn't use it. They didn't overdub it. Um, but it's the only, this is, you know, because obviously Pet Sound Sessions, Brian sings lead is not Brian. It's never been Brian. Um, so this is like the only place where you can what? actually hear. Yeah, I know, I know. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the only place where you get to hear Brian with his like original voice singing God only knows. The sort of off mic guide vocal. And it's really beautiful. If you just listen really closely, it's him singing the whole song and it sounds so unique and different and it's like, oh just put a microphone on him. <laughs> this is really, really something. interested me is that it kind of sounds like the way he sings it now or like at least he did in like the 90s early 2000s like the way he he sings sure about it is completely different from the way carl sings it yeah oh god i just wish they had a microphone on it for this it's so it's 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 such a beautiful thing captured on tape um and thank god they didn't overdub it because then we get to hear like yeah yeah the distant brian singing it with the board it's funny how some of the coolest things and maybe it's what makes them cool but some of the the coolest and best things the beach boys ever did were kind of like that where it's like yeah it wasn't meant to ever be heard or released Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of these moments caught (laughs) you know on recording yeah because those those are the rare moments i love that yeah lord's prayer is another one of those where it's like whoa where did this come from yeah i was just thinking that it's just so cool and yeah or even um trying to hear them work out the harmonies and trying to sing it like they don't get through the first line but it's still so cool to hear them try to do that in 1967 yep yeah and the next track's another one kind of like that it's another track that they didn't end up overdubbing well they did kind of there's like a sort of abandoned guitar overdubbing part of it but it's good vibrations but brian playing the organ like through all of good vibrations in 67 so that's that's pretty cool um, going through all the different sections and he's like flipping different mm-hmm. switches on the organ and stuff you can actually hear the organ stops going off like when he t- <laughs> changes it for the bridge um, that's yeah I mean they didn't do anything with that one but it's a nice thing to hear and then after that they went on to Heroes and Villains and this is like maybe the most infamous thing oh, from yeah. the sessions 
I didn't hear this until like a year ago, to be honest. Like this blew my mind when I finally heard the full, the full kind of comedy take uncensored that that Mike did. You know, and you can hear Brian like laughing the whole time too. It's, yeah, it's like obviously like he's in on the joke. Oh yeah. So it's not like a mean spirited thing. It's just like they just were kind of having a laugh at themselves, and Mike was just letting loose on. <laughs> His hatred for yeah. heroes and villains. It's amazing. Tell Mike was holding this up for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> right now, Brian Wilson, leader of the Beach Boys, is about to unleash his nuclear power and sing for you the song that went all the way to 40. It topped the charts at about 40, and the next week it just zoomed right off to about, oh well, about 250. Right now it's lurking about 10,000 on this year's top 10,000. Come on in here and sing them, wail your buns off. Listen to these outstanding lyrics. They'll just amaze you, this nuclear disaster. I don't, man, I'm surprised it doesn't get talked about more because, you know, it's such a great example of of Mike's true feelings I know. for <laughs> I've this seen whole things, era. I've seen some kind of revisionism with going with people going on. Oh, Brian wrote the script, and I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. there isn't a script. One, because he's got two takes yeah. of it where he says different things. But the other thing is just this is obviously Mike improvising and like letting loose what he's thought. Oh yeah, <laughs> all these, all the, oh all yeah, it's from the heart. Yeah. I mean, it's just like yeah. he's just stating yeah. facts. I mean, it's just like a diss track about yeah. his own band. And I mean, it's amazing. Difficult to listen to. <laughs> it's just I yeah. love it. I don't. <laughs> I love it too. I'm just a big fan. I just I can't believe I never heard that until you guys told me about it. It just blew my mind. I love it so much. It's just such a real moment that. You know that they wish probably never existed, and obviously is never going to be released. But yeah, I um, we've got it. I was. I hope no one thinks this by now, but a lot of people use this as an example of like Mike stealing one of Brian's tracks and ruining it by insulting Mm. him. But I mean, you can hear Mm -hmm. Brian like right next to him laughing on it (laughs) when when Mike says like "sunny down ye old snuffy" or something. You can hear Brian just like (laughs) scream his head off in the background. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if I ever sing anything like that again, I'm gonna. No. Really, folks, it's all in fun. We, you know, we gotta figure a one hit out of it. Well, every six years, you gotta get a little animosity generated somehow. Besides being basically masochists, we kind of enjoyed having this record bomb. We want to thank you for coming to the show, throwing all these nice options at us. Really, we'll see you back again next time around. Yeah, it's funny how I mean, if you if you take that sort of first run of songs that they did, Brian ran through the entire set list. This was like the album closer like when mike's at the end like we'll see you again next time was that how they were going to end it like it's uh <laughs> it's a fun thing to think about but yeah they just massacre this yeah. song like brian mm-hmm. br- like cut out sections children were raised is gone they do the backing vocals where they're just like screwing around they're not doing it properly and then mike does that over the top of it it's like oh my god they're just killing it <laughs> he just murders heroes and villains yeah, yeah. there's there's another take of the rant where brian's like right on the mic with uh with Mike <laughs> and they start singing it together and I actually think it sounds really good 
But then, oh, of they course, do a harmony like, for part of it. Yeah, yeah for like one yeah. line. And you could hear it's like, oh, that would have been really cool if they just done it. Um, but they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got it now. But she's still dancing in the night, unafraid. <laughs> You're too much. One more. Okay, next we're on to where they tried to basically like do some of redo some of the songs that they didn't want to do with just the organ, like they didn't feel it worked out. Yeah, this one and and Surfer Girl are two that I like regularly listen to outside of the context yeah. of just like listening yeah. to late late in Hawaii. I, I mean, honestly, I don't really listen to this stuff that much. Like before this episode, like I hadn't really like sat down and listened to some version of late in Hawaii for a long time. But Surfer Girl, God only knows, and sometimes California Girls, I'll just throw on because those are good performances. They're good songs. And also, like, um, Bruce and Brian doing some of the backing vocals, like, during the last verse, which is not on the studio version. That's kind of cool. They're both just kind of improvising stuff. And, uh, oh, there's some, there's, there are some quite cool deals with uh, percussion as well. I think you pointed out there are, there are three people on percussion here. It's, like, Bruce, Carl, and Brian. Mm, yeah. I'm not sure who's doing what, but there's, like, bongos, drumsticks, and then a hi-hat all kind of playing off each other. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that was probably just... The three of them, you know, all overdubbing on top. Yeah, and Carl tried adding a, adding a tambourine, which they didn't keep. And that was it. That's the, that's the track. God only knows what I'd be without Thank you. Carl's thank you at the end. It's 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 nice. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> not much to say about this one, but it's, it's a genuinely good and not like... Not like a weird version, it's just a good version. Then next they did um, Good Vibrations, like properly with the band. We, we haven't done the session tape for this one, so we can't really say who's doing what, but this is the one where it sounds like Brian's probably playing the bass. Wh- which, if it is, that would be pretty cool. I hope it is. That would be nice. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, this one kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
vocals don't really don't really make it, and the theremin just sounds a little weird. Yeah, it's it's not the ther- it's not the electro theremin, it's the woo woo machine. Exactly. This is the only time we get to hear it in the studio, which is cool. It's probably I don't know if it would, Mike would have played it here, but I assume so. The tiny I mean, figure, like, he's he's the yeah, guy who knew how to do it. He's been it. doing it on stage for months. Yeah. And then this one has got tambourine as well, which would have been Carl. And it's got kind of similar product, um, percussion to last time. We've got congos, drumsticks, and then someone actually playing the drums, all kind of playing off each other. Yeah. Um, Next, there is another Goat Surfer Girl, like another entire one from the ground up, which is a very, very, very interesting one. Because this is the one where they changed the bass line completely, um, which must have been Brian's thing. He must be playing it. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a more like 1966 Brian bass yeah, line. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's you all, know. you know, instead of just root notes on every chord, it's like all these inversions. It makes this version stand out. It's interesting, and I've always come yeah, back to it. Yeah, it gives it a really reason. melancholy feel. And the ending too, completely different. Yeah, that's a cool thing too. I miss the little one though. I, I like. The, I mean, the the way that Brian ended it in, the, in that first Hawaii version mm-hmm. is um, I can't top that one. But I, it's kind of cool just to hear yeah. them trying different ideas. They're both great. With a song that's been around forever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's kind of sums up my whole feelings on this this whole project. Is I I don't really listen to it. None of these are like better versions of the songs, but they're interesting and they're different, and it's it's fun. To, to kind of listen to even yeah. if it's not like very good <laughs> sometimes yeah well actually no I think one one song that we'll get to near the end is is better than the other version ah uh, I think I know which one they didn't sing on it yeah you know the one I'm talking <laughs> about <laughs> okay next they did uh, Sloop John B um, well they tried it I think at this point this one hasn't been heard hasn't been leaked or bootlegged they just tried recording it didn't didn't make it then they tried doing Good mm. Vibrations again which is another one that hasn't been bootlegged or released and there's don't have much info on this one, but I think the drums were live and apparently Bruce sounded like he was pretty much producing the session at this point. Um, and then they just mm-hmm. kind of gave up on that. And next they tried doing Sleep John B again for the second time, and this is the one that's like the mono mix. Um, and this is a disaster of a thing. <laughs> it's um it's it's really not good. Um, yeah, Brian's playing those dr- that uh, snare drum and those congas live with the band and uh he really slows down when it gets to that double time section at the end. It's just very rough. It goes, it goes really wrong. I don't know if Al was here at this point. It might have been like Bruce playing the congas or something helping out. I don't know. We don't know how they did this one, but the drums are live and they surely would have been Brian. And then the bass sounds like Brian played it as well. Um, and this is just a not good version of Sleep Jumping. <laughs> no. Yeah, and the vocals are kind of just sloppy too, like sloppier than some of these others. I know that everything is kind of sloppy, but this one especially. No organ, the only one with no organ that they actually record. 
yeah, so that's that was like the first batch of stuff. And then I think they probably came back at a later day to do vocals or something. I don't know. It's very murky. But the next thing on the reels is uh, this Fred Vale introduction with him pretending to be like the empty theater where they did um, the first live album, <laughs> sort of introducing the album, which is that's kind of fun. This is Fred Vale at the empty Memorial Auditorium in Sacramento, California. Remember the last time in August of 1964 when the Beach Boys went about recording their first in-concert album? Well, they're not here tonight. The audience is empty. There's nothing under the seat but chairs, gum, and litter. But they are in Hawaii, and they're ready to bring you back again with more live sounds. The fabulous Beach Boys! And then they did three tracks that are actually really cool. This is the one that I, I, I like it more than the real song. Uh, Barbara mm-hmm. Ann is this like surf rock fuzz <clears throat> guitar yeah. like love you style thing and it's, it's, it's just so freaky yeah, yeah it does so sound cool. kind of like love you yeah i wish they finished yeah. this with vocals i mean this is super so cool and they did surfing in the exact same way also no vocals These are like the best late in Hawaii, like the up-tempo tracks. Um, these are the best of them, but they didn't finish them. And I think they just pretty much did them at the last minute and then didn't do vocals. They were like, oh, let's can't really be bothered to do anything with them. But um, those two are, yeah, I am a fan. And then they did a cover of Game of Love. Very strangely. By Wayne, mm-hmm. Wayne Fontana, yeah. yeah. This is the final thing that they did, and I think they left it unfinished for late, uh, late in Hawaii. Um, but they did the vocals during the Wild Honey sessions when they kind of thought very briefly that it was going to be on the album. Um, and this one's, uh, this one's kind of interesting as well. It's similar to the letter in that kind of, you know, like a sort of current sort of R&B hit done yeah. in a very offbeat um, way that doesn't... I don't know if it works or not, but I enjoy listening to it. <laughs> I do like the way Carl <laughs> sings the bridge. That's pretty cool. Come on, baby, the time is right. Love you, daddy, with all your might. Put your arms around me, hold me tight. Play the game of love. The purpose of a man is to love a woman like a woman love a man. The purpose of a man is to love a woman and the purpose of Yeah, it's an interesting choice. I like it. Yeah. And uh, the original song was The Game of Love. This is just Game of Love. I don't know why they took out the uh, thought. <laughs> I don't think there was a <laughs> I don't think there was a conscious decision. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Just for the, for the for the nerd aspects. I think this was yeah. these ones were Brian and Organ, Bruce on bass and Colin drums, probably. Well Barbara Ann was like Brian and Organ, Colin on guitar, Bruce on bass, and then Brian definitely overdubbed the drum the, the drums on that one. Um, yeah. There you go. Weird weird bunch of tracks, weird little group to to yeah. record everything for this. It'd be cool if Dennis was here in like any of the vocals, but he just did. Yeah, I, he just was doing his own thing, I guess. So conspicuously yeah. absent. Why wouldn't they record this stuff in Brian's studio? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. 
I think just well, the, yeah. all the like the Heide guys were like the guys they brought with them to engineer on. Yeah. The, um, yeah, I think they just basically had better facilities than Brian's home studio yeah. at this point, and they thought it would be easier to kind of get a consistent sound or something. I don't know. They, yeah. they did quite a lot of stuff at Wally Heide during the Wild Honey sessions, but there's um, there's one more thing they did that oh, somehow yeah. somehow made it onto the live album track list somehow because right. <laughs> it's definitely not a fake live album track and it's not trying to be um it's the cover of the beatles with a little help from my friends yep on uh, september 23rd bruce carl alan mike without brian or dennis either at brian's or wally hyder studio um, doing with a little help from my friends with bruce on lead he said we did it just to see what it would sound like yep it's hard to imagine like that brian wasn't involved with this because he said many times that it's like his favorite Beatles song. Yeah, and um, he's also said that he sings on it, but he definitely does not. Yeah. Hmm. There's, there's an odd specific quote from Brian where he's like, when Bruce returned to the studio, we cut um, this with him. I remember I sang the high part and he sang the regular part, but Brian's not on it. His voice is not on it. He so wasn't in the session. <laughs> Very odd, but yeah. Yeah. This was like I think a Carl and Bruce project, pretty much. Just yeah, and I think Bruce's quote is right. Like they just did it to see what it would sound like. Someone got an idea. It was mm-hmm. no greater purpose. Like it wasn't planned for the live album or a single or a Bruce solo project. They just wanted to do it, and then they decided to like put it in different places afterwards because they liked how it turned out. Yeah, and was this going to be on Wild Honey at some point? It was. Yeah, yeah. it was going to be and on then... the Hawaii album, and then it was also going to be on Wild Honey. Like, and also, it, you know, around early 68 bruce was still not sure about his position in the beach boys and wanted to make some some solo album he wanted to put out a bruce johnston album and wanted this to be on it (laughs) along with some other things he did this thing called fanfare in july i don't know what that song was but it was a session for it and then he also did like the basic track for bluebirds over the mountain during all this stuff as well that they ended up using on 2020 but that was definitely planned to be a Bruce Solo single From Enemy, March 23rd, 1968. Included in the Beach Boys recording plans are Bruce's own solo album, which features him singing the Lennon and McCartney composition with little help from my friends. He played me this interpretation on the piano over the phone. Believe it or not, he has made a very listenable waltz out of it. Yeah, definitely not this version, but really no, no. would love to hear that <laughs> 1968 Bruce <laughs> Waltz version of I wonder if it sounds anything like um, Joe Cocker's version sure maybe probably not <laughs> but that one is it's sort of waltzy I don't yeah know. I mean it's a little yeah. more drawn out like that but I don't know what I mean maybe this guy's just maybe they don't know what a waltz is yeah <laughs> the, the way the way he said it made it sound like Bruce like performed it on piano over the phone so I don't know maybe he did So they did it with just um, Al playing acoustic guitar, Carl playing electric guitar, can't tell if it's 12 string or not. And Bruce is like doing some distant percussion or something and he's also singing a guide vocal. And 
um, Mike seems to be there, like watching this, but Brian definitely wasn't in the room, which I think is so interesting because it's so early for him to not be involved in something like that, especially when they did end up like wanting to use it on something. Um, so it's, I don't know, I can't really figure out how this would have came about. Right. The piano on it is not Brian's piano, which is why I think it might have been done somewhere else. But apparently, there's like capital documentation or something saying it was Brian's house. I don't know. And then it sounds like Carl, Carl probably played bass. Um, well, it might have been Bruce, but we don't know. And uh, Bruce said Carl played the drums on this while sitting on a bar stool. But John heard that, like, he can, he, yeah, he basically worked out that there's got to be like two people playing drums on this. Like, someone, probably Bruce, is doing the hi hat and then Carl's like doing the snare and stuff. And then someone comes up with a tambourine for like two seconds. That might be Allo Mike. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Bruce playing the bass on this. I don't Do know why, but it just sounds like to me it's Bruce. It's, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it could be. I'm it's just that sort of rubber, guessing, rubbery kind but, of. Yeah. Also, I mean, yeah. Bruce is the one who yes. brought it to uh, to the studio, and it was, this whole thing is his idea. So he knew the that song. He, it could yeah. have been him. I'm but, just guessing. I mean, it's all overdubbed, so we can't know for sure. It's great. I remember hearing this on the Rarities comp. Um, that I think my dad had, and um, I was like, "Who is that singing?" I didn't just pick it up as <laughs> yeah. being Bruce right away because it didn't. I thought maybe it was Dennis or or uh, yeah. The, or the weird thing about but, the vocal yeah. on this is he sped it up and then recorded it and then had it slowed back down. So it's right. like it doesn't really sound like Bruce. Yeah, That's I strange. don't think it sounds yeah. good at all. I mean, slowed down vocals never really sound good to me. <laughs> right. I think Bruce basically said that like it was supposed to be sped back up, but they gotcha. um, couldn't be bothered to sing the backing vocals as high as the lead vocals, so they basically brought it back down and just left it that way. Because the backing vocals was done afterwards, you can hear like Bruce's lead vocal leaking onto the tracks, and uh, so those are at normal speed. Those are at the speed of the track. But Bruce, I worked out pretty much exactly how fast Bruce's vocal is supposed to be, and it's like a semitone and a third, pretty much. The way they sped it up on Sunshine Tomorrow isn't quite there. It's Sunshine Tomorrow is like still kind of slow Bruce, but for the first time ever on, on Ceylon, getting Bruce at his natural natural speed. And it sounds pretty good like that. Like the kind of beatily the way the backing vocals are sped up. And I, I think Bruce has said that it was supposed to be sped back up. He didn't want the slow lead vocal. He wanted the fast the fast track and the fast lead uh, backing vocals as um, the way that it was supposed to be. Yeah, it's cool to hear it like that. I think it it might be better. But you, you can't put it on a you can't put it on a fake live album and have it be convincing when you've got like chipmunk right. chipmunk call. Yeah. Also, I mean that was so not on their minds because Bruce wasn't at the concert. They didn't even do that song at the concert. No. Like, where would they get the piano and yeah, <laughs> that sort I mean, of thing? Yeah. Like, and you'd, you'd hear... Um, yeah, that's why I just... I feel like this was just something different they were doing and they just kind of tacked it yeah, on Yeah, I mean, this this is project. totally a Bruce um, thing that Brian heard and thought, hey, that's really good. Yeah. Can we use it for Late in Hawaii? And they were like, yeah, why not? It's, not, it's never going to sound like a real live album, so let's just do it. They spent a lot of money on this and, and time on this, a actually. A lot, like, yeah. Really. I mean, why did they abandon this completely? Because Wild Honey was better, pretty much. Yeah. That's that's what happened. They did the Wild Honey single, which at this point was like in the middle of doing Laid in Hawaii, mm-hmm. disconnected from everything. Um, and then Brian was going to work with Redwoods 
and I think they kind of just got into like this new R&B studio mm-hmm. album kind of thing and thought this is way more fun and it's way more interesting and it sounds better than this live album so let's put it on hold and we can do something with it later and we're just gonna, yeah I think just gonna do a full new album instead because they got inspired I mean this band moved so fast between different kinds of music Brian was constantly changing the way he wanted to work about things you know they did Smiley Smile and then they did Laid and then they did Wild Honey and that little note implies that they wanted to put out Laid afterwards but then Friends happened so I think it's just everyone kind of moved past it and there was really no need to dwell on it and think that they were going to release it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but they did um, mix down like an almost completed version of the album. They basically yeah. like put all these mono mixes on a four track reel that they were going to add like fake audience noise onto. And that was almost released on Sunshine Tomorrow, like unaltered pretty much. They moved Godly Nose to near the end and they cut out the Michigan tracks because they were going to use... Um, Barbara Ann and you've got to hide your love away from Michigan, like the live nineteen sixty six stuff. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. probably to get Dennis on there. Um, I think that, I feel like that's probably why they were going to do it. Um, so that's an odd inclusion. They would sound nothing like the other stuff. Um, so you can hear that pretty much on Sunshine Tomorrow, like all these mono tracks done the way they were going to sound on the album, just minus the audience noise. And it's like if you just take that picture with a little help from my friends at like the right speed, and God only knows. And this one was just after California Girls. And that was it, pretty much. Like, there it is. I mean, I think it's a good thing that it didn't come out because how how do you think this would have done for them, like, in terms of sales? (laughs) After Smiley Smile and, like, Wild Honey not even doing too well, this would have not gone well. It would would have not gone well, and also I don't think it would have helped their, their perception. Like, people would not have liked it. It would have gotten bad reviews. So I think it was a good call to scrap it, whatever ultimately decided that, you know. Hospital of Spring, California Girls, Godlinos and Surfer Girl are like really good. The rest are probably not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And just those those tracks just don't fit with With a Little Help and they don't fit with the Michigan tracks. Barbara Ann has like loud surf drumming. It it just doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah. as a as a whole thing. There it is. I think that does it. All right, well, before we wrap up, there's another little tidbit that we need to cover. Ah, uh, yes. Um, if only for a moment in time. And it's Murray Wilson's Many Moods of Murray Wilson album. <laughs> oh, I forgot about this. <laughs> that came out in 1967 in October. And in my opinion, is a really nice listen. And I really do enjoy, especially um, Islands in the Sky Yes. On this record. Rick Henson. Um, but the whole thing sounds really lovely. It was recorded very well and played beautifully. It was recorded between May and June at Gold Star and Western, arranged by Don Rocky. And a few different interesting cuts on this record. They did Warmth of the Sun in kind of a, a lounge instrumental style. Murray's favorite Beach Boy song. Yeah. Um, and then a few Murray originals um, and then one that Al Jardine got credit for called Italia yeah Al has explained that Italia is a, is a song that he copyrighted in 1963 and the title back then was Pink Champagne 
It was just a little guitar instrumental, and Brian played this for Murray, and Murray liked it, so he recorded it and renamed it Italia because it reminded him of Italy. Mm-hmm. And some of these other songs are, you know, there's only a few Murray songs. A lot of them are just other people. One of them is just written by his friend George or something. Two of the songs mm-hmm. were literally written by his plumber that he just liked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, Heartbreak, Heartbreak Lane is the other interesting one because mm-hmm. that was Brian Co-Write, but he's not. His name wasn't on it. Yeah, and uh, this one actually, I. No one really knows this, but they actually tried to record it in the early '60s at Western with Chuck Britz, Brian, and Murray, probably at a Beach Boys session or some other undocumented session, but. They did a version of it in the early 60s with Brian playing the organ and Murray playing the piano. Brian. I can't count it. Just hit a chord and I'll come in. mysterious there's just like a couple of takes of it and then it didn't really go anywhere or i don't know if there was a more finished version lying around somewhere but it's yeah it's quite cool yeah not much about this album is known i have no idea who plays on it but there's probably a lot of familiar names we'd recognize if not all of them yeah nick benet said that this was just kind of a way to appease murray (laughs) so that they wouldn't get hassled by him so oh, much yeah. about Beach Boys stuff. And apparently he uh, he charged the Beach Boys account for the uh, <laughs> for this oh, really? for this record. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. that that's that's what it says in uh, in Stephen Gaines book. It's a good listen and um, I like I said, like if you if you're a Beach Boys fan you need to check it out. Yeah. Absolutely. And, oh and there's also this thing I think where Murray said that like he recorded it to make them like the Beach Boys more competitive or yep. something because he felt yep. them been mm. slacking. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, Good Vibrations was so good, but Brian thought they'd never have another hit like that, so I'm trying to get them motivated again. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> it's like the soft, easy listening background music. <laughs> like, this is not going to get Brian to make a hit. <laughs> also, something interesting is that everyone says that Italia was an uncredited Brian production, but that is no. not true. <laughs> That's something that has only been said in one book by a certain author who makes up a lot of stuff just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shout out Keith Badman. What's up, man? How's it going? <laughs> I'm sure you'll eventually hear this. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the way things are going here. Um, Unfortunately, yeah. And, I mean, it yeah. was recorded with two other songs on the same day that the Beach Boys were doing the uh, smiley version of Vegetables, which sounds like that probably was an all-day or most-day affair. I highly doubt Brian went over to Gold Star or whatever and produced this one track that sounds exactly like the rest. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, another interesting thing is that um, if if you want to hear uh, the kind of the early version of Leaves, you can listen to George Faulkner's album. Oh yeah, and uh, the song yeah. "Young Love" is everywhere. Painting with teardrops as well. So, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, two of these songs are instrumental interpretations of songs that had lyrics. Um, Painting with Teardrops is mm-hmm. something he recorded in the 50s, I think. And George Faulkner has a good version of that on his album as well. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's a better album it's than the- this, in my opinion. <laughs> it's it's the sequel. It's the it's the canon sequel. <laughs> yeah, my favorite song on this is probably Heartbreak Lane, and I don't know if that's just yeah, because part of me knows that Brian had a hand in kind of voicing the chords and <laughs> wrote it with Murray, but I, I I do think it's a pretty song. I like the whole thing, man. I just yeah. think it's recorded really well, and it's oh, it's me a too. it's a it's just a it's a good listen because it's so easy and it's just one of those things you can just put it on in the background yeah. while you're doing laundry or something. I mean, I'm sure yeah, Murray just, has the moods. I'm sure yeah, Murray's man, the all moods. the moods. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Murray had much to do with it besides maybe yelling at some of the sure. musicians to treble up every once in a while. But yeah, like, right. Yelling surge and like pushing fake buttons, and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, there it is. That's more than anyone's ever talked or thought about the mini moods of Murray Wilson, but <laughs> even five my minutes. even the, even my Beach Boys wizards can't uncover the secrets of all the moods. We've only unlocked about half of the moods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like hungry but, for chicken. That's it. That, hungry for chicken is a strong mood. Um, <laughs> you mean chicken? Uh, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Well, thanks, dudes. Appreciate all your help on this. This was fun. Of course. It was. Catch back up and and jump just a few days in the future and talk about Wild Honey. It's going to be great. I'm excited about that one because I've been looking forward to Wild Honey and Friends the whole time. This is what I keep saying. These are like the two albums that I really want to do. <laughs> It'll be good. Yeah, it'll be fun. Thanks, dudes. See the microphone, is doing his thing. Let's do the ball, rock, bass, go, boogie, and straight. The let's rock, y'all. I'm going to give you a taste of the super shot. All right, so today we have a very special guest all the way from Switzerland. It is Noah Vedagut. Did I say that properly perfect (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you man for being here um i i wanted to have you on the show because um number one i don't get a lot of emails that mention laid in hawaii and you mentioned that right off the bat and um that was pretty interesting and also i don't get a lot of emails from switzerland maybe only one yeah (laughs) um and then also um i i had no idea um that uh you were such a superstar in <laughs> switzerland man like i i've just you know i was interested in 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 checking out your music after you wrote me um really enjoyed everything that i've heard cool so thank you very much and uh, i was i was very excited to see how how successful it is in your in your home country so it's really awesome, man. Congrats on that. Thank you very much. I appreciate the feedback, of course. It's always interesting to hear what other people think, you know, about our music. And uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you grew up and what brought you to the music of the Beach Boys. I never took any notice of the Beach Boys until I was about 17. I was originally a real, like, hardcore Beatles fan. To the point where I really checked out most things that you can check as a musician. And it was through the Beatles that I got to the Beach Boys when I was watching this documentary about Sgt. Pepper. I think it's the 25th anniversary documentary about it. And there's a section where Paul talks about Pet Sounds. And I remember I was hanging out at my friend's house watching this. And there's this little section where Brian talks how he combined guitar and piano and how he combined 
certain instruments to to get one sound and it just looked so almost like he was working in a lab and there's something very intellectual about Brian's music as well and I just I just fell into that I fell in love literally with that little segment of, of this documentary because it's so fascinating in those two or three minutes you just fall in love with everything that is the Beach Boys and the same day I remember I went to get Pet Sounds obviously it starts with this amazing uh, song Wouldn't It Be Nice which is sort of familiar but if you check it out it's just a masterpiece in terms of chords and bass lines and 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 just the you know the middle eight or the bridge i think as you you call it in 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 the states it's just amazing you know the beatles wouldn't have dreamed of that in 65 or 66 so from then on i i jumped the camp and i became you know being a musician as well or trying to find my my path as a musician, I really started to understand how superior the Beach Boys were to the Beatles in in some of the aspects. Right. And um, from then on, it it was literally just, I think, uh, it was a a very, very uh, deep dive into everything the Beach Boys were, from the very first album to, you know, into the 80s. MIU album. I think we share that. Uh, we share that love yeah. for this album. For example, I just, <laughs> I just love that stuff. All of it, and it's just a fascinating yeah. story. It's almost like a Greek tragedy sort of quality to the Beach Boys. It's, it's amazing. It's just a beautiful story with a beautiful soundtrack. And I was sold from that very moment I heard Brian talk about combining piano and guitars. Well, cool, man. Um... I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Late in Hawaii because we're talking about that on the show this month. And um, it's such a unique album that kind of was a failure in a lot of ways because, as you know, the the live record that they actually recorded didn't come out very well um, for a n- number of reasons. What what were your thoughts on, on Late in Hawaii? Like, how did you first hear it was it on a bootleg or yeah my first introduction to late in hawaii is probably the an american band documentary where there's this little snippet there of them playing it and i just find it a very strange moment to see brian wilson wearing a striped shirt (laughs) but sort of sitting at the organ and it's also a weird moment in time like august 67 it's sort of like you know it's it's a mess in terms of the Beach Boys coming out of the smile and smiley smile thing where you think of them as a very progressive group, but then sort of retreating back to this striped shirt image. But you definitely feel there's this, yeah, this 67 hippie vibe around it. And yeah, you feel it in this documentary that there's sort of the old Beach Boys meeting a new kind of psychedelic version of it still wearing striped shirts so i thought that's an interesting and fascinating moment in time them playing this concert Mm -hmm. and um there's so much tied to this because i did my my research i have to say i'm a good scholar i'm a good ceylon scholar i have written down a lot (laughs) of stuff here oh good when you watch the american band 
documentary. And this has been my education, my first like education about the Beach Boys. There's a bit of a spliced up chronology about it, but it's still the narrative, the official narrative that we all get, I think we still get that narrative in a way, is that Brian sort of broke down after Smile. He disappeared after Smile and he retreated. Um, but this show, and especially when you hear the, the recordings of the rehearsal, you really see how much in charge Brian still was. I mean, he's literally uh, in charge of people. You know, he's sending people back to the hotel to get some cable in, in, in some instance. He is really in charge of the group. Uh, and you, you, you don't get a sense of defeat or disappointment. I think that's sort of an interesting interesting thing at that point of time where you have heroes and villains sort of struggling in the charts you have uh, smiley smile sort of still to come out but pet sounds wasn't what he wanted to be smile was sort of shelved but he's still in charge and i think that narrative of him retreating after smile if if there's any doubt about it uh, i think at least the rehearsal to late in hawaii really you know destroy that myth because he, he was in charge in the studio and he was obviously in charge of the band on stage as well, which is a place where Brian officially also never felt very comfortable, but he's definitely in charge of that situation, uh, rehearsing for this show. That's pretty, I was pretty amazed by that actually. Yeah, that's, I think that's something that we've been kind of realizing and, and touching on throughout um, smiley smile is that Brian is still the producer. Brian's still the guy calling the shots. And um, yeah, even on this, this concert, it seems like this was Brian's idea. Like, you know, somebody asked him, you know, why Hawaii? And, and he said it was just a, a nice place. It's a good place to, to go shoot uh, and record a, a live record because of the mood. And I think, you know, we were kind of wondering if that stemmed from Little Pad. Like, did he write Little Pad and then yeah. decide, oh, I want to go to Hawaii and make a record? Which is interesting that they didn't do Little Pad on this yeah. record. Um, that would have been really neat. But <laughs> I really loved it for the reasons that I mentioned, like just the vibe of it, kind of an extension of Smiley Smile. And um, getting to hear Brian live with the group, um, which was a really rare thing and hearing Brian sing heroes and villains live. I mean, which didn't happen again for, you know, 30 some odd years. Yeah. So really, really amazing sort of uh, piece of beach boys history that kind of just got shoved, you know, under the rug, like a lot of other things. Um, but they were doing so much at this point. I think, you know, it was just another experiment and they were just on to Wild Honey really quickly. You know, it's just uh, amazing how quickly they moved from Smiley Smile to Late in Hawaii to uh, Wild Honey. It was just kind of a, a whirlwind few months um, and a really productive few months for, for Brian. Um, and it's really amazing. And I'm, I'm really happy that, uh, that we have this record um, and I wish that we could get that footage, but man, what a cool record to, to, to listen back to. And, and like you said, kind of in that psychedelic transitional period. Yeah. I wonder if, I guess they, 
I wonder when they stopped wearing the, the the striped shirts. I haven't even looked into that, but it it was it was soon after this, I'm sure. Right, there's um, there's pictures of them in November, I think, of that same year where they stopped wearing the striped shirts. So this is right. literally just a few months before they changed to yeah. I think white suits maybe. Yeah, they they I think they had a, a, a short period where they were um between the striped shirts and the and the white suits. But uh I think it was 68 when they started the white suits, but I could be wrong. I guess I'll yeah. I haven't made it to that part in our research yet. But I'm trying to trying to remember. We talked about Brian's playing. Yeah, um, yeah. The piano and also the organ. In this case, there's a... Also, again, I think that the rehearsal to this show really uh, gives you a good insight into how the Beach Boys sort of worked also on stage and how they uh, rehearsed and how they you know arranged songs as well because it really feels like they hadn't been playing for... Uh, for, for many months, and actually I found out that the last show they had played at that point was in May of the same year. They came wow, th- yeah. they came back from Europe uh, in May, and that was the last yeah. show they played until they went to Hawaii. So they were really underplayed, and you can mm. definitely hear that. But there's a moment where they start rehearsing songs, like they just start playing songs and then deciding that ah, it doesn't work and then they uh, go on to try something else and they do lord's prayer yeah and i think it's suggested by dennis who is sort of screaming it from the other side of the venue do the lord's prayer and then they just do it and i think carl forgets his harmony and brian sits at the organ to to replay the whole thing for them to get back into to to redo the the song and somebody mentioned i th- i think it's mike he says that he he didn't sing it um, since the, they actually recorded it like in 63 so brian plays it on the organ like in one he, he runs it through and it's fascinating to hear <laughs> yeah. his playing it's amazing yeah it's, it's like amazing. classical music yeah and, and he, then, yeah he's playing yeah. through like almost chorale style like the the parts yeah it's yeah. incredible i do i do love that and it's interesting to note also that he ends this run through with till i die i'm not sure if you noticed that but he ends yep. this run through of the lord's prayer with the same chord change of till i die i'm not sure if right. if he was already playing around with that same thing uh, yeah. already but it's definitely till I die there at the end. Another thing that is kind of foreshadowing is on the surfing organ part, he's playing Do It Again. The da, ba, ba, oh, yeah. ba, ba, da, ba, da, you know, on the organ the whole time. Like he's he's definitely really excited about that melody. So it's it's obvious that he comes back, he keeps that in the in the in the clip and then pulls that out a year later for for do it again. So pretty amazing that he had that melody kind of rattling around as well. It's yeah. amazing to see how Brian's brain works. He's 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 got like a file cabinet of yeah. of music just and he's his recall and and god it's just it's incredible. It is crazy to to analyze his uh, playing especially when you hear these early recordings. I feel that the older he got the more simplistic his playing got also. But it's amazing his 
it seems like he's not playing a lot of notes, but the notes he plays, they just sound like it's hundreds of notes playing together. He just finds the right spot. It's it's really fascinating, really. I, I wonder, maybe you know this, uh, Wyatt, about the show itself. And when you listen to the show, you, you don't get the feeling that this show was a sellout. Mm-mm. It really sounds like there's like a couple of people inside this, uh, this Honolulu center, which right. looks to me like a huge arena. But it doesn't sound like a lot of people. Yeah, I'm not sure how many people were there. Um, I know that... Um they asked everybody to come wearing lays and to bring a ukulele, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but um, yeah, it it doesn't sound like a full, you know, arena. Yeah, it feels like maybe a few thousand people. Yeah, who knows? Another thing you talked about this being a, a productive time uh, for them. Yeah, according to Stephen Gaines' book. Hmm. Uh, My was, favorite. Yeah, I have to say mine too. I love it. Uh, it is uh, on this trip that Brian and Marilyn conceived their daughter. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Which makes sense. Definitely a productive time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, I think they were all there kind of with their families and um, made it into a fun vacation for mm. For each other. But Bruce so. is in, in Wally Hyder's studio. You can hear yeah. Bruce definitely again. I'm going back to the Beatles. I love hearing Bruce sing with a little help from my friends. I think it's a yeah. great vocal. It's a it's a great version. Um I've always really loved that. Yeah, and Sgt. Pepper was number one through all that time that we're analyzing That's now right. or talking about. I mean, they were you know, they were flying to Hawaii with Sergeant Pepper being number one and flying back from Hawaii with Sergeant Pepper being number one and I think recording Smiley Smile and Wild Honey, all that was done while the Beatles were right there on top. I think that there was you know, a tremendous presence also at that time by the Beatles and this shift that happened with Sergeant Pepper. And um, there's an interview that Brian gave around, I think he even gave, gave it in Hawaii, where he sort of... Uh, resonates in a way and says like well we're just square you know we we just we just do our thing we're square and we're not sort of not part of this whole new thing and he's, yeah. it sounds like he's quite comfortable about uh, mm-hmm. all that is strange it seems like he definitely made a decision to stop trying to compete with anyone else especially the beatles i know that they were kind of going back and forth trying to you know stay on top of each other but i think he definitely made a point to get out of the production race at that point and said you know we're just going to do what we do not worry about what anyone else does and that and that really catapulted them through the next few years where they were making really unique music and you know they didn't have the commercial success that they did before but you know they were able to make some really fantastic records i think you and I and a lot of our listeners agree it was one of the greatest periods for the for the Beach Boys between '67 and '71. You know, um, yeah. and they weren't really trying to compete with anyone at that point. They were just doing their own thing. We'll get to it eventually, but so yeah, I wanted to uh, 
I wanted to do a little uh, a game with you really quickly. All right. Um, to pick your brain a little bit, not uh, nothing, nothing serious, but um, to uh, try a little this or that, and I, it's going to be a lightning round, and I want you to give me the first thing that pops into mind. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you choices, and you pick one. <clears throat> All right. Okay, you ready? Good. Mike Love or Van Dyke Parks? Mike Love. Al or Bruce? Al. Smile or Smiley Smile? Smile. Wild Honey or Friends? Friends. Marilyn or Diane? (laughs) I think Marilyn, Marilyn. All right. Landlocked or Adult Child? Adult Child. MIU or Light Album? (laughs) It's tough because... (laughs) It's tough because I like both a lot. Um, that's tough. I think that LA, the I think it's sort of disjointed the uh, the, the light album. There's not mm-hmm. like uh, you can sort of feel they recorded it over several years, and MIU seems more like a whole thing. So I'm going with uh, MIU. And uh, last but not least, Beatles or Beach Boys? Oh no. <laughs> <Look>. <laughs> <laughs> I love both bands. I, I, uh, it's it's really hard for me uh, to decide on that. I think it's a very unfair question of you to ask. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I would I would have the same answer. Yeah. Actually, my answer would be, um, uh, my answer would be if I think the Beach Boys are my favorite band. I think the Beatles are the best band. Let me put it that way. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> I think that's an evil question, but I had to ask because I know you're a big Beatles fan too. I want to give you a chance to plug your music and your and your group Pegasus um, because it's a very modern sound, but with a lot of 60s pop influence, I think. Um, and I really do enjoy it. I love some of the production techniques and I love the melodies that you come up with. And, and yeah, and a lot of the... I hear a lot of Brian and the piano playing too. So um, really enjoy it. What's uh, what's a good place to start for any of our listeners that want to check out your group? Hmm. Well, thank you very much for your um, feedback. And um, I think that Victoria Line is a song I sent to you because it's one of our latest releases. But I really used the... You know the snare drum rolls, yeah. Which which mm-hmm. Brian uses, for example, uh, in God Only Knows. Right. I think that the the biggest influence that the Beach Boys had in our music is the drums, because uh, our drummer he used to play the hi hat all the time, and if you listen to Brian's productions, he really doesn't use the hi hi hat a lot. He just plays, you know, the the snare. In combination with the with a stand-up tom, and we are using that all the time from the moment we discovered that. So I think mm. Victoria Line is a good place to start, and if you like it, check uh, check other songs. Better Man, I like uh, I like our Unplugged album. We just released an Unplugged album. It has some mm-hmm. nice arrangements by by one of my uh, friends in Germany. Uh, he arranged some nice strings there. So you know, enjoy and. Um, yeah. 
I told her I'd be gone for an hour or two to fix his bike. I told them I could cut up at work with a pile of paper tonight. You don't understand the pain that I felt when I waved my child goodbye. You can trust me, I feel more than enough guilt without a child. Victoria, line out, are we fine now? Wait till Oxo touch my hand. Planned all this time to commit our crime. Someone will have to. Too close. So open up some wine now. Let's feel fine now. Put your weight right on my chest. If you want, you can go. But see you later. Someone will have to clean this mess. So yeah, everybody go check out Noah's music, Pegasus. It's available pretty much everywhere. You can find him on Instagram at Noah Vedagut. I will put it in the show notes as well. And thanks again, man. We'll hope to talk to you again sometime. 
Hey, thank you so much, Wyatt, for having me. You are doing a great, great thing with this podcast. I loved it from the very first moment. And keep us Beach Boys fans happy with, with all that work. And thank you so much for having me on. you want to hear the complete interview I did with Noah and also some other goodies, give our Patreon page a look. www.patreon.com slash sale on. The show is 100% listener supported. A big shout out to our newest patrons. Harry Gore, Matt Ellis, Brett Kilbride, William Naylor, Richard Blackborough, and Jack Jack. Thank you guys so much for keeping the show advertisement free. We really appreciate you. Thanks to Will and John again. Thanks, Noah. Thanks, Brian, Carl, Dennis, Mike, Al, and Bruce for the beautiful music. Oh, and Murray, too. I will speak with you guys soon. It has been a very hard year for many of us, so please be kind to one another. Spread that love and mercy wherever you go. Sail on, sailors. Cool!